today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. God is good. Josh is not. Hey, uh, before we get started this morning, I just want to congratulate everyone who was involved uh, with their carols on the river this year. Let's give them a hand. Amazing job. Amazing job. I counted the crowd. I believe there was 10,500 people there. Or was it two and a half? I don't know. Ten or two or three. Just kidding. Uh, uh, thanks again to everyone who was involved. Uh, it, was a, it was an amazing privilege to... I saw someone, I saw Andy Goulet, the, the King Frog on on the Monday, and he says, how does it feel to do a church service for your community? And uh, what an amazing privilege it was to, to uh, be part of that. And uh, thank you all. So, 27th. Hey, everyone ready for a couple of days rest? I want to talk a little bit about rest this morning because we all need it. And come this time of year, you know, f- for some reason, the concept uh, of a two days off Christmas Day and Boxing Day, everyone needs to have everything done by that point. And uh, if you're in the building trade, if you're in, the, in, in, in any um, industry that, that, that requires completion dates, it tends to be then. That's when we've got to get it all done. So by now, everyone's ready for this, for this rest. And, uh, and most of our populations um, you know, are, are looking for a few days rest, unless you're in the in the retail or the um, hospitality industry, then you're the reverse of everyone else. You're stressed, we're rest. And uh, anyway, it's a well-earned break for people. But I don't know about you, but in this time of year, I tend to, you know, I tend to allow myself to overindulge. Anyone else, anyone else feel a bit like that? You know, we've, we've worked hard through the year and, and, and we feel like we've now got permission to overindulge a little bit. And so we try to, we want to rest, but we eat a little bit too much, we drink a little bit too much, you know, we, we sleep a little bit too much, and we, we su- over-sun ourselves. So you walk around, you know, the week, the week after Christmas, and you've got these slightly plump, red-glowing people who are supposed to be resting, but then they need to go back to work to have a proper rest from their rest. And, uh, and what about your mind? Do you find that, you know... In the, in the rest time that even though your body's at rest, your mind is debriefing the previous year and analysing the year ahead of you. Does anyone else have that going on in their head? My mind is like, it's constantly thinking. And I was saying to Kristen, I was saying, oh, I feel tired, but I, I haven't done anything worthy of being tired over the last week. You know, And, and, and it's the mind, isn't it? The mind... Uh, it causes our bodies to feel tired because we're thinking so much. We're debriefing. We're, we're worrying about, you know, did we good, do a good enough job? Is it going to work? And, and what are we going to do going forward? How are we going to produce what we want to produce next year? And, and I just want to tell everyone this year, it's time to find a new way of resting. I want to unpack rest a little bit for you today because um, I think ultimately our sense of rest or our sense of peace is linked to our spirit man, our spirituality. And, uh, you know, why don't you open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. And when I say it's linked directly to our spirituality, uh, you know, what I'm basically saying is I believe, you know, our bodies need rest. 
but our, the, the rest of our being is not physical. It's not physical. It's, it's in our minds. You can, you can, it's, it's interesting. You can drive all day, right? Not lift a finger other than sitting it, resting it on the steering wheel and get home and you're very tired. Why? Because, because you know, it's the concentration that wears you out just as much as the muscular effort. And uh, so I, I just want to talk a little bit this morning about God's rest. And in Hebrews 4, let me give you the context. He's talking about, um, talking about uh, Israel who were slaves in Egypt, working, working very hard, and God promised them the promised land. And the promised land was, was other, also called the place of rest. And uh, so anyway, let's pick it up in verse 1. It says this, it says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So he ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us, so it's also relevant to us, just as it was to them. That was the the early Israelites. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. And here's the clinch. For only we who believe can enter his rest. Only we who believe can enter his rest. So the core of resting in God is actually from a place of belief, not from a place of residence. You know, we think if we finally get there, if we get onto that, you know, if we're staying at the, you know, I would have said the Hyatt Regency Coolum, but it's not quite as good as it used to be. Um, you know, there's, there's other nice places, Versace or what. If we just can get to there, maybe we'll be rested. And God's saying, actually, the promised land, this place of rest, is actually when the work began. You see, the Israelites, when they were walking through the wilderness, their clothes didn't wear out. They had food every day. They had a, they had a pillar, they had a pillar of, of fire and cloud by day and night to lead them towards the promised land. And when they got to the promised land, then they actually had to go and work for a living. So true rest is not about not working. True rest is about believing and being in relationship with the King of Kings. You see, God sets for us a table in the presence of our enemies. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, when I need a break, I just think, I've just got to get away from all of you people. If I can just get away from all of you people and all of those people out there and all of those people back in WA, my family, if I can get away from everybody just for a little while, maybe I'll be at rest. And it's a lie. It's a lie. The lie is, is that, that you know, no matter what our challenge is in life, and, you know, you know people aren't our enemy, but, but, but the, you know, the environment that people bring to our world pressures us. And God wants us to, to know that he sets a table for us within challenging circumstance so that we can be at peace at all times. Rest is the absence of of pressure or evil, it is companionship with God. Rest is not the absence or pressure, absence of pressure or evil, it is companionship with God. And here's the thing, because sometimes we look at companionship and we think that it's, it's rules and regulations, but companionship with God is not about blind obedience. It's not an exercise in blind obedience. It is a commitment to reflecting on divine things while we're here on earth. 
See, everywhere you look with your natural eyes, there's something happening. There is something to take in through your five senses. And there's always something to take, something that smells good, you know, something that tastes good, something that looks good, something that feels good, and something that sounds great, or the opposite of those things. Yet God's saying, where am I in that? And the key thing that I want to encourage you this year is that if companionship with God equals peace and rest, then we need to look for the divine in the ordinary. Like we said on Christmas Day, we've got to look for the goodness of God in the everyday life. We've got to look for for the goodness of God in relationship. We've got to say, Lord, what are you doing right now? Because we don't want to be part of this uh, religion that says it's about blind obedience. We want to be part of a relationship that's about companionship where we consider the King of Kings as we walk hand in hand with our relationships on earth. We read in Genesis that on the seventh day, God rested. And for that matter, so did Adam and Eve. Consider this just for a moment. Adam and, uh, mankind was, were created on the sixth day of creation. And on the seventh day, mankind's very first day, what did they do? Nothing. They rested. Man, mankind rested in God's work. The very first thing that mankind did was he rested, he and she rested in the work of the Lord. See, here's the battle that we face in everyday life is that we want rest from our works before we've rested in his work. I think that's where the first hymn was ever written. I think Adam wrote it was called Evie. Evie, let your hair hang down. It's the last dead joke of the year, right? That's it. The very first thing people did was rest in God's work. They took time. They had time to sit and consider God. They didn't, ha- they, they, didn't, they didn't have anything to debrief about their own lives at that point. They hadn't done anything yet. They just woke up on the very first day and they just rested. They, con- they were in companionship with a resting God and they spent time with him. I would encourage you today to take time in this coming season simply to consider God. I think one of the challenges that we face is that we will step into a prayer meeting, we'll step into into a relationship with someone, and the first thing that we ask is, does anyone have any prayer needs? So before, when we step into prayer, the first thing that we're thinking about is ourselves. And I, and I, and I want to challenge you all to take a moment this season and, and see if it's something that you can embrace where you might read a psalm, where you might read a passage of one of the Gospels, or, or you might consider an aspect of Christ or the Heavenly Father and just consider Him. Don't try to interpret the Scripture. Just read the Scripture and allow Him to be glorified by you just for a moment. Say to yourself, glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it always has been, as it is right now, and forever will be. You see, whether you glorify Him or not, He is glorified. But as you glorify Him, 
you become a companion with him and you rest in that same peace so let's take a moment just to consider him you know at that point in time in in in, in the seventh day mankind had everything they had everything they needed for us i want to put a thought on your table whenever we desire something that we don't have we become restless when we, when we desire something that we don't have, we become restless. And, you know, being restless, it's, it's part of work, isn't it? We get up because it's something that we don't have and we go for it. But here's the key word. The key word is whenever we desire something, we become restless. And here's the thing with desire. Desire is the strongest form of want. It's the strongest form of want. When, so when you desire things it's the strongest form of want for things it's it's normal to want things it's normal to need things it's normal to to say I, I i like that i want that but it is you know when we desire things when it's when it's number one on our lists of wants we become restless and god wants you to be at peace he wants you to you know he wants you to to let's look at philippians 4 11 to 13 it says this this is the Apostle Paul. He says this. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, the things of life are irrelevant. Everything that we see, everything that we want is actually a gift from God. Every good and perfect thing comes from Him. All right? So to want things is not, it's not wrong. It's actually, the things are irrelevant. It's the desire of your heart. It's the desire of those things. It's putting them before other things that causes you to be restless. I'm not even saying it's, it's wrong or right. I'm saying the desire, when we desire things, ultimately, it causes us to be restless. True peace of heart is found when we resist temptation, not when we yield to it. True peace of heart is found when we resist it, not when we yield to it. When you see the plate of Tim Tams, and you resist that temptation, the next day you've got peace of heart. Don't you? But when you don't, when you go for that extra piece of trifle on Christmas Day, which unfortunately I did, you know, my heart was not at rest the next day. It was gurgling, especially because I'm lactose intolerant. It's interesting when we think of the the, uh, the, the chubby, grey-bearded man in the red suit, we take our children along to him. And what do they do? At a time that's about celebrating Christ, they sit on his lap and ask him for things they want. And he says to them, have you been a good boy? Seriously. Did they could say yes? You know, we, we serve... We serve a risen Savior 
who came and laid down his life for us. And, and we celebrate a Christmas day where, where we, what we're celebrating is that he came and he gave up everything so that we could have eternal life. He gave up everything so that we could have eternal life. So, you know, I want to challenge you this morning that as we, as we consider, you know, when we come into a prayer meeting, when we consider coming to celebrating, uh, uh, you know, the birth of Christ, when we consider stepping into a place that we always start considering Him first. Is it, is it fine to give people gifts? Is it fine to do these things? Absolutely. But we want to consider the king of all kings first. We want to take a moment. We want to, we want to read a psalm. We want to think of the gospel. You know, I honor those people who come to church on Christmas Day because it's an effort to get out of bed and be at church at 8 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, it's our biggest service every year. Amazing, isn't it? It's a, it's a privilege to see people say, before we do anything, before we, before we unwrap a present, before we start to eat, before we do anything, we're going to take a moment, we're going to join with our brothers and sisters, and we're going to honor the man. As we read in Hebrews 4, 1, he says this, a promise remains of entering his rest. Then down in verse 11, it says, and let us be diligent in entering that rest. It's amazing that the promised land is, is called a place of rest, yet it's where the work began and the free ride stopped. Hey, it's interesting, isn't it, is that God, when, when, when God, we enter God's rest, we don't stop working, but we stop being proved by our works. When I look around society these days, you know, the number one prover of people is their work. We don't, you know, the very first question that we ask each other is, what do you do? What do you do for a living? What do you do for a crust if you're an Aussie? What do you do for a crust, mate? I want to submit to you that God's rest is a place of relationship with Him where we learn faith, hope, and love where we learn to put our trust in Him so that no matter what's going on, no matter the ups and downs of the day, no matter you know, how good or how bad our work situation is going, our worth is established in our identity in Him. Then we can have the very, the very worst work day and still be at absolute rest. We need a rest. We need a rest from trying to prove ourselves through our efforts. We need a rest because, you know, God is saying, there is nothing that you can do that can make you worthy of my love. Nothing you can do. There is absolutely nothing you can do to make you worthy of my love except accepting me as your Lord and Savior. Except desiring me first. The biggest blocker of rest is when we find our worth in our work. We've got to get up every day and we've got to do it again. We've got to prove it again. You know, I think it's great to work. I don't want to promote a message of, of, um, you know, of, of resting in the natural. I think he's called us to work six days, he says, you shall work. Doesn't he remember that? For those of you who work five days, he says six days, you shall work. You only need one day's rest. You don't need two days. The journey of relationship with our God actually begins with a choice to receive His grace because only His grace can give you rest and peace. Only His, only his goodness 
can lead you to a place of repentance and growth. Only, you know, only when we start with him do we have a chance to go anywhere of, of value or worth. And that's why the encouragement today is to take a moment just to consider God. Just to consider God's goodness. Do you want to move beyond survival and live in a place of faith, hope and love? They kind of sound like abstract terms almost in the natural, don't they? Faith, hope and love. He wants us to live in that place. He wants us to live in a place. You know, he wants us to make decisions through faith based on things we're hoped for you know, that are grounded in his love. He doesn't want us just to, to look only in the natural from the five senses. He wants us to, to operate according to his goodness. Rest comes when we take moments to look for the divine in the ordinary. You see, as we restore environments of faith, hope and love, that's when we begin to see things differently. We begin to see each other differently. We begin to see our families, begin to see our friends. We begin to see everything that we interact with a lot differently. You know, when, when we consider God first, I'm less worried about my senses. In, in church leadership, one of the biggest battles that we face is what we call sensual agreement. My senses disagree with your senses on a, an atmosphere that's been created in this place. And God's saying, okay, we've all got different senses. Let's, if you start with me, he says maintain, in, in, in Ephesians 4, he says maintain the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And the only way that we can do that is always start with him. What do we have in common? We have him in common. See, I'm unified with you based on the fact that we have a common faith in, a, in the one and only God. And when I start there and when, I, and when I act from that place, then I look at everything differently. Then I look at how things smell and taste and touch and sound and the other one differently. You see, rest isn't found when we set to escape our worlds, but when we take moments to reinfuse our ordinary lives with a divine God. We love to escape. I love, I love Hamilton Island as an escape. What an amazing place. Go there, get tanned up, come back a bronze, bronze statue of masculinity. I feel absolutely at peace and at rest when I'm at that place. But then, you know, the day that I get back, it's like nothing ever happens. Because, you know, I glorified my body for a week. It's all that happened. I glorified my body, but I didn't find a new rest. I didn't necessarily find the divine in the ordinary. See, he hasn't, he's, we, we all live what they, in the, back in the day, they used to call the common life. There was, a book of, there was a prayer book called the Book of Common Prayer, and I thought, why is prayer common? And, I, and I, you, know, you, think of, uh, you think of common, it's not about common prayer, it's that, that the God that we serve is common to us all. And the things that make us whole is, are common to us all. So when we pray and when we start with Him, when you read those old books of common prayer, it's all about Him and none of it is about us. 
What's common to you and common to me is that we both serve the king of all kings. We both serve the God of the universe. We both serve the provider. We both serve El Shaddai. We both serve the Prince of Peace. We both serve the same counselor. So if we start there, we start in unity. And when the church gathers in unity and loves one another, the world will know that we're his disciples. We cannot compartmentalize our lives to find peace. You do that. Do you find, you know, I'm, I'm big on diaries and I, I like whipping other people into having very good diaries because, if, you know, I know that in, in, if, we don't, um, if we don't compartmentalize our days, then we can waste the day. But we cannot compartmentalize peace. We cannot compartmentalize it. It needs to be part of our everyday life. It actually needs to be the foundation or the status quo. And how do we gain that? We become companions with the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. When you operate out of a place of peace, it means you're in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I meet two kinds of people these days. One wants a formula, and the other one wants a license. There's one person that says, I need the 10-step plan to absolute freedom and eternal life and wealth. And the other one wants, I need absolute license to do whatever I want, whenever I want, in the grace of Jesus. One person wants a formula, the other person wants a license. Guess what? They're both wrong. What we need is a companion. What we need to be is in relationship and be led by a Holy Spirit. We need a God who is who is who is always been there, who's always going to be there, and who's absolutely relevant right now. One person wants better boundaries, more boundaries. Someone wants no boundaries. You know, the the early Christians were called the followers of the way. Not a set of rules, but a way of life and a relationship with a loving God. You see, having a relationship, the difference between having a relationship and having a set of formulas or absolute license, the difference between those things, the difference between having a relationship is what a relationship does if it gives us an attention and an awareness to what God's doing right now. See, if you've got a if you've got a formula and someone else is not on your formula, then they're in deep trouble because they're on a different track than you are. You've act, they've got to get on to your pathway or they're or, or they don't fit with your life. But if you've got a relationship with an all knowing, all loving, ever present, all powerful God, then you can be communicating with any person at any time and the leading of the Spirit will cause you to love them with the perfect love and be at peace with that person. On Christmas Day, when Uncle Steve-O, he does it every year, he brings, he brings up that subject that no one wants to bring up and it causes all the turmoil. Somehow we've got to serve a loving God that enables us to sit down with Uncle Steve and give him the love of God that he needs right now probably need to give it to him on Christmas Eve. 
an attention and an awareness. The peace of God is not about avoiding the normal life. It's setting out to live the ordinary life extraordinarily well. And the only way we can live extraordinarily well is in relationship with an extraordinary God. If the divine God is not evident in Josh's ordinary life, then I'm not doing anything extraordinary. I might be doing something different, but I'm not doing something extraordinary. It's not about being different. It's not about doing whatever you want. It's about being in communion. It's about being in relationship with an extraordinary, divine, holy God who knows exactly how to do what you need to do so that you can live at peace and work at the same time. Galatians 5.1 says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty in which Christ has made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Do you know what I think that the yoke of bondage is predominantly? It's when we find our worth anywhere other than in God. If your worth is held anywhere other than in God, then you are in bondage to whatever that thing is. If your worth is found in a relationship, if your worth is found in your work, if your worth is found in in living in Noosa or where you have your holidays, if your worth is found in any of those things, then you will be in bondage to that thing. You will be be stuck with that thing. and It may be a terrible thing and you actually need to, to get away from that thing, but because your worth's in it, you keep serving it. You keep serving. You know what? I, I love palm trees and I've got a hundred of them around our place. And people come to our house and they go, I love all the palm trees. I'm in bondage to those palm trees. Let me just tell you. Every day I have to walk around, pick up 20 fronds of, um, of, of palms. And, you know, we've got a beautiful palm trees on one side of the property. We've got a beautiful pile of dead palm leaves on the other side of the property. I declare my identity is now no longer in my palm tree. My peace is not there. I like looking at them. I'm just going to have one palm tree in our next house. Just one, right in the view, so I can have a look at it. Beautiful. Rest and peace is found as we realign our ordinary lives with the divine God. Stand fast in Christ's liberty. Stand fast, as in it takes an intention. It ta- you know, it says, we read in Hebrews, Hebrews 4.11, it says we need to be intentional, we need to be deliberate, we need to, be, we need to go and find his rest. We need to stand fast in the liberty that Christ gives us because if we don't stand fast in his liberty, we'll be distracted by other forms of freedom. You see, there are earthly freedoms. There are absolute earthly freedoms which, which give us moments of peace and rest. But we need to stand fast in the liberty that Christ gave us. It's not about following a set of behaviors. Standing fast is not about following a set of behaviors. It's about developing an attitude and understanding your place in life so that it guides your every conversation and action. I want to have an attitude and understand my place on earth so well that it guides my conversations. Does it right now, every now and then. I would like it to guide all of them. But it takes, takes diligence to stand fast in the liberty of which Christ has given us. 
so that he is the dominant influence behind my conversations and my actions. I don't know about you, but I love directions. I love the formula. I love it when someone says, all right, this is the five-step plan to your first million. This is the five-step plan to finding the perfect husband. That's what Kristen went through, obviously. I want a formula for holiness. I want the formula because the formula is easy. You know, we, we, have, we have these big arguments about, you know, we're no longer under law. People love the law. It's not, about, it's not about being under law or grace. People are obsessed with the law. Why? Because the law is plain and simple. We actually get to look at it and go, okay, I can't eat prawns, but I can eat, you know what I mean? I can eat hooves that look like this and hooves that can't look like that. And I can, you know, these are the things we can do. These are the things we can't do. We love that. We love the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and God is saying, no, you need to be in relationship with the king of all kings. And then you can live according to the tree of life. He doesn't want us to, to walk, you know, he, he walk according to the rights and wrongs. He wants us to walk according to our relationship. Resting God is not a, it's not a set of plans. It's a change of heart and a change of mind. It's deciding to look at things differently. The Bible says over and over again, it says, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. We need, to, we need to listen, not just to what's in front of us right now. We need to listen to the big picture. We need to listen to, to the whole picture. That's why he says we have a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He says, don't just listen to what's in front of you right now. Listen to that eternal voice. Listen to that voice that's causing you to, have, to create an inheritance. Listen to that voice that says, no matter what is in front of you right now, choose love. Choose charity. The spirit life is achieved only by listening to all of life and learning to respond with a godly consideration. I said this statement earlier. Why doesn't the band jump up? Spirituality is not an exercise in blind obedience. It is a commitment to divine reflection. I want to challenge you all to take some time to reflect on our divine God. Take some time to reflect on his capacity, on his goodness, on his creation, on the depths of his love, on the perfection of his ever-present, all-knowing, all-powerful status. You see, the goal of the church is not to take people out of the world to find God. The goal is simply to remind people that God is in all. He's in you. And He's through you. The thing is, is you've got to look for Him. You've got to look for Him in yourself. You've got to look for Him in your brother or sister and say, I see the Lord in you. I see the image of God in you. And we encourage people and draw that out. Hebrews 4 goes on in verse 14. It says, so, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands, that's Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do and did not fail, did not sin. So let us come boldly 
to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Divine reflection. So the challenge today, church, take a moment. Take a moment to consider the Lord God your Savior. To consider the creator of the world. That he was. That he is. And that he always will be. That he's always been relevant. That he's always going to be relevant. And right now he is the most relevant thing in your life. Why don't you stand with me? So as you go and have a restful week, church, I encourage you to take some moments just to sit with God. Don't talk about needs, no needs, no wants. Just adoration and companionship with the Prince of Peace. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you that you are mighty to save. We thank you that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. We thank you that you sent your son to earth. You sent your son to earth. You sent the divine to enter the ordinary, Father, so that we could walk in companionship, in relationship with you. We lift up your name in our lives right now. And we take this moment to consider your greatness, to consider your goodness, to consider your magnificence. We thank you that you are the magnificent Lord of all. And we lift up your name above every other name right now. We take our needs and wants, Lord, we take our, and we lay them down and we set our hearts' desire on you alone. So we give you thanks and we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Have a great week, church.